the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. It could be love. It could be insurance. It could be investing. It could be, do you leave money to your children or not? How much do you leave to your children? What's too much to leave to your children? It's a good question, is it not? Um, we we talk about these issues on a regular basis. I saw an email come in where a man is he said, "My kids inherited five million. How should they handle it?" Um, so basically, a father dies, parents were divorced, the wife still is there. The estate is about to be dispersed. And it's down market and assets would have been much higher, but it's still $5 million. First and foremost, I hope the father had an estate plan that was run and set up correctly through an estate planning attorney. That's one of the services that EP Wealth offers for financial planners is an in-house estate planning attorney, which is pretty cool. Because your estate plan kind of matches your assets. Because it's all in-house, they kind of can work a little closer together versus saying, oh, I need a separate attorney from Bigman, Straussen, Bigman. Versus, oh, I'm having money managed by Fidelity or Vanguard. Those two entities have to talk together. EP is able to put that all together. An executor of your will is super important to do it right. I like using third parties or distant friends who don't have a vested interest in how my kids grow up and just want to be fair. Do you want to be fair? Do you want to give the kid who's a little slower a catch-up? These are all questions for your estate plan. Um, And executor is really super important because let me give you two quick examples. My brother, David, is a lawyer. He's a judge. Um, he's probably the kindest and fairest man I know. And he, my father loved him. He was the favorite son. I know you're not supposed to have a favorite son, but he did. And it was the middle son, which is interesting. Two older brothers, two younger brothers. <clears throat> um, and his executor, he doesn't really know the in outs of finance like I do. So I've been giving him, okay, since she died, the estate has gone up in value. So we're gonna have to pay taxes on that, but you're not going to pay taxes on anything um, under, I think the estate tax in Virginia is like $12 million, and it wasn't a $12 million estate. It was in the millions, but not $12 million. So I said, we're, so we're tax-free on all of that. But what I would do is you have two choices. You can liquidate everything and go to cash and divide it up six ways. And here's the disbursement. Here's what everyone's going to get. You can tell them very clearly and concisely. 
<clears throat> or you can take her shares of Apple. Let's say she had 100 shares of Apple and divided by six. 100 shares of Microsoft divided by six. 100 shares of a mutual fund divided by six. 100 shares of a money market account divided by six. 100 shares of a mutual fund. Like you get the idea, right? <clears throat> it's not always going to be very similar, but it's also going to have less tax consequences on what has been earned since she died. Interesting, right? So her estate has to pay the taxes. The individual who inherits does not. So I gave my brother the, the outline and he's not dragging his feet. It's just COVID has slowed down this process enormously. The estate should be settled by now. Um, it shouldn't have that second year lingering over it. But he lives in North Carolina and works as a judge. She died in Virginia. Her estate is in Virginia. He has to travel on weekends, take a Monday morning off or a Friday afternoon off to sign documents. He's not exactly the best executor. Now, I've got four older brothers and a younger sister. And we all kind of knew that five of us would get along and that one would be a dissenting voice who wants the cash now for a car or a house or pay off debt, drugs. We don't know what he wants it for. <clears throat> but what's interesting, it, it wasn't the oldest brother who wanted the cash. The one that we all knew who was kind of like positioning himself for top payout, fastest payout, it wasn't him. It was the second oldest who kind of lives a little bit further away from the rest of us and also has a health issue. We weren't counting on him because he's never really raised his voice or had any concerns. So my brother David is in a very bad situation of... His older brother is putting pressure on, can you can you hurry this up? Now, he's not getting paid. I've made sure to help because he's not getting paid. I've asked my siblings, do you want to pay him? My father didn't put into his will or my mother didn't put into her will that she wanted him paid. Something you should think of because that position sucks. So, and I don't think he's going to lose his friendship with the brother who is the dissenter. But I've seen that happen because my brother's pretty fair. He's a sweet person, unlike me. So the other executor position that I, I can explain to you is my current one. Is my spouse's parents are in their 80s. And she's one of two daughters. One daughter married a really good looking guy who had a great job. He's from Europe. He's German. One minute. And then the other sister married me. Not very good looking, but I have all my teeth. So the German, though, has been unemployed for basically eight to 10 years. Well, my estate has grown from four figures to five figures to six figures to seven figures. We're taken care of. So my spouse is the executor because her parents thought she was the more fair of the two, thought she was the more level-headed of the two. The other one was a cheerleader, ran off, married a European guy, moved to LA, didn't come back. You get the idea. There's going to be stress there because it's literally we're the haves. They're the have nots. Um, it's worthy of thinking of what you're doing to your kids when you make them executors. It's not a glorious position. It's not a smart thing to do. Having someone who's an outside party who gets paid a couple thousand dollars is the right way to go. Just so you know. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at robblackshow.com.
You're listening to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. And it's really been over 10 years. It's been 20 years, but I think trying to keep some perspective, we all remember Netflix delivering us um, DVDs in the mail. I moved to the Bay Area in 2001. And when I did, I had never, ever seen an episode of The Sopranos. I worked really, really hard early in my career so that I had never seen an episode of The Sopranos. I had never seen an episode of Friends. To this day, I still have that clean sheet on The Friends. Um, so I don't get it. I don't understand Joey and Rachel and all the gang. I only say all the gang because I don't know the rest of their names, right? But I binge watched um, Sopranos. I'd get two or three DVDs on Thursday or Friday. And I'd make sure to watch them all during the weekend. I didn't know a lot of people. And until I did, that's kind of what I did. I'd go hiking and, and binge watch Netflix shows that I hadn't seen. And Netflix, as we know, is kind of hit a home run with games, uh, shows like Squid Games, with Lost in Space, with Stranger Things, Money Heist. They've had a Bridgerton. They've had a lot of hits. Keep in mind the hits, okay? Because it's going to be important to this segment. Um, and they got they got kind of got us used to seven ninety nine a month, eight ninety nine a month, nine ninety nine a month, unlimited twelve ninety nine a month. As they went from a DVD delivery service to streaming, we bought in. Initially, there was a big, big pushback. Um, do you remember having a DVD player? Do you remember having a Blu-ray player? Um, they seem very archaic at this point in time, don't they? But we bought in, um, and I remember the joy of getting DVDs on Thursday or Friday, and when the mail would slip up and it wouldn't come till Saturday or Sunday, uh, Saturday or Monday, you're like, oh, my row, well, you can just row in. We bought in. We kind of got normalized to it. We're good with it. We're comfortable with it. And then Netflix kind of fell as we learned, hey, there's something called Disney Plus, Paramount Plus options, right? Before Netflix, we kind of had AMC on cable. It's like, this is a good channel. This is like, this is good TVs coming here, like Breaking Bad, right? Then they got all the zombie shows, which who doesn't love a zombie show? But Netflix's upcoming ad support tier could have, it's having analysts react to it now. Remember, underline the word hit show. Advertising. Netflix doesn't have a natural shareholder base. It's not adding subscribers, so it's not a growth stock. It doesn't have a lot of cash flow, so it's not a value stock. If 65 million new customers sign up, we can go back into growth mode. It's not going to happen. This is where the analysts get kind of savvy. Netflix is in a unique position to aggregate large audiences and control the timing of series launches for top tier advertisers. Think the Academy Awards. Think the Super Bowl. You started to figure out what Netflix has the ability to do. They could launch Stranger Things Season 5. And they can tell the world, yeah, if you want the ad-supported version of this, advertisers come to us and start bidding. Because you're going to get a lot of eyeballs fast. Very much like a Super Bowl. 
very much so like an Academy Awards show that command premium pricing for advertising. There's an analyst, Jason Hefstein. He has a current $325 price target on a $245 stock. He's expecting Netflix advertising revenue to reach $4.6 billion by 2025, driving total revenue to $42.4 billion with 282 million subscribers. He noted further upside potential in shared accounts, cloud saving, and gaming. Still, you got to be a little trepidatious on Netflix stock because it's been such a bloody ride down. Investors aren't that animated about it right now because that's a long time for that fast money funds. When you're starting to say 2025, he thinks it's time to rebuy the shares. Netflix estimated its ad-supported tier would reach 40 million viewers by the end of next year. We are still in the early days of deciding how to launch a lower-priced ad-supported tier, and no decisions have been made yet, so said Netflix spokesperson. Netflix and Disney are the latest platforms to hop on ad-tier bandwagons, with the latter aiming to officially launch its service option on December 8th. We knew Amazon Prime would show you deals at Amazon. Hey, while you're watching The Lord of the Rings, you could also go buy your Black Friday or Amazon Prime Day kind of deals. Netflix hired two senior hires recently to roll out ad-supported tiers. Companies moving up to launch in November 1 of this year to get ahead of Disney's timeline. The ad-supported will cost between $7 to $9 a month with the company planning to play four minutes of ads for every hour of content. Netflix is looking to charge advertisers roughly $65 for reaching 1,000 viewers. But can they charge significantly higher when they have a Super Bowl type event? Like a release of a new show, Stranger Things, or you could binge watch it. It's an interesting thought, right? Charging $65 for reaching 1,000 viewers is significantly higher than any of the other streaming content players. So... They think when they have a hit show and everyone, as it starts rising the charts, you know how you go to your Netflix account and you see the top 10 of the week? They could probably charge more for those top 10 commercials than they could for you going and watching an episode of, I I don't even know, The Office. Does Netflix have The Office? Somebody does, right? Maybe they don't, but you get the idea. Uh, for Oh, okay. Breaking Bad. I still, I, I just rewatched Breaking Bad. I'm halfway through rewatching it. And it was really surprising because when I watched it 20 years ago, I really, 15 years ago, I really liked the bad guy. Um, Brian Cranston, he was an anti-hero. And now that I'm rewatching it with different sensibilities, i.e. my kids are older, I'm like, he's just a drug dealer. He's just a bad man. He gets everyone around him killed or almost killed. So that's not the kind of guy I want to be hanging out with. Where he was kind of bad. Bad the bone. The first time around. Second time around, not so much. Okay, how do you feel about Netflix stock now? That I said they have the ability to hit Super Bowl-like numbers with advertisers. And you know, uh, whoever has the Super Bowl this year, CBS, ABC, NBC, ESPN, whoever has it, they go, oh, we're selling a 30-second commercial for six million dollars and the next year it's without selling a 30 second commercial for six and a half million dollars 
interesting art. Is it not? Oh, boy. Uh, Ford dropped a big, big, big thing on the market yesterday saying shipping costs is going to cost them an extra billion dollars in the quarter to get the components that they need to put together vehicles. Uh, We're starting to get those inflation warnings. I'm not panicky. I'm not nervous. I'm not anxious. I'm just telling you, we're getting what the market wants. And typically that's the first step to putting in a bottom. There's a couple other things that have to happen. I'd like to see us break the recent lows of the year. And I'd like to see people quit, call up their 401k provider. I don't want to put money in the 401k anymore. I'm losing money. When in reality, you're buying low with the expectation of selling high later when you retire. Anyhow, lots going on. How do you feel about Netflix? Are you in? I'm not. I don't need it. But I just brought up a compelling argument for you. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Now back to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. Let's do a little segment on unintended consequences. Because sometimes it feels like you can't win. And I get that. And sometimes it's the unintended consequences that you don't see. And you're like, dang it. Gas prices are coming down. Sweet. Electricity prices are going up. Oh, bitter. Don't we need both of those kind of things to keep our house going? Oh, and if anyone's a chef and cooks with electricity, contact me because I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I see a future of gas stoves being banned or new homes with gas stoves. So hopefully, I'll, I, I'll be dead before that happens. And again, you're like, you're polluting the planet, you gas stove user. It's the only thing I know how to cook on. Um, but gas prices are lower, gasoline prices in this case, but other energy products are fueling inflation. So gasoline prices have dropped. Um, from seven dollars at the pump in California, I saw yesterday five oh five. Like that feels a little bit better. Feels a lot better to be honest with you. Other prices include electricity are rising at a rapid rate, meaning that energy inflation is still a problem for the average American. In fact, electricity prices rose by the highest annual level since nineteen eighty one. The August consumer price index rose eight point three percent year over year down from 8.5% growth in July, still a ridiculously high number, but at least it's going in the right direction of lower, but lower, slower than we wanted. Falling gas prices, and again, gasoline is what I should say. For those of you who confuse natural gas with gasoline, on a month-over-month basis, gasoline fell 10.6%. It's still up 25.6% year over year. It's a smaller increase than in typical months. It's now $3.71 on average in the United States. The drop was caused by increased production of gasoline, falling gasoline demand, and the government's decision to release oil from the strategic reserves. But inflation in other petroleum products. Petro. It's a fun word to say, is it not? Um, Diesel prices haven't dropped nearly as much as gasoline prices. That's the first thing that you see, and you're going, what's going on? Diesel prices are up 53% in the past year. And think about those truckers. We got a great big convoy trucking down the line. So they declined 8.4% month to month. But it has a much 
bigger impact on gasoline diesel prices. Higher diesel prices means higher shipping prices for retailers, which are likely to translate into higher prices for consumers. Diesel has risen in part because of the war in Ukraine. Russia was a major supplier of diesel to Europe, and sanctions have reduced the amount of diesel that it sends. U.S. refiners have made up some of the shortfall, but the overall shortage of refining capacity to produce diesel has caused prices to rise. Here comes some stocks. U.S. refiners like Valero and Marathon uh, are withstanding falling gasoline margins because of diesel. Ticker symbol VLO for Valero. Valero. And Marathon Petroleum, MPC. Cost of some energy services keep rising. Uh, in part because of high prices for commodities like natural gas, electricity was up 1.5% month over month in August. It's now up 15.8% year over year. Again, that inflation at 8.3%. And we're seeing a natural gas and electricity surging more than the consumer price inflation. Electricity is up 15.8% year over year. I have solar. Now, it stinks because we're heading into the winter months, which means less sun. I'm like, okay, everyone turn out the lights. But dad, it's 8 p.m. I know. Turn out the lights. Just go to candles while we watch TV. <laughs> I'm not that bad. But the cost of piped gas, which would include gas pumped through pipes into people's homes, is up 3.5% month over month. It's up 33% year over year. Fuel oil is up 68%. So we did get the lower natural gas prices. We did not get the lower electricity prices. The lower gasoline. We got the higher natural gas. It's like, ah, oh, can't win to lose, can we? Apple, in another kind of related example of unintended consequences, the euro has risen or the euro has fallen and the dollar has risen. So what is Apple doing? They're changing their pay structure and how they get paid for the app store. Apple's raising prices on apps and in-app purchases in Europe and a number of other countries. The tech giant said app prices and app purchases will increase in all countries using the euro currency as well as Chile, Egypt, Japan, Malaysia, Pakistan, Poland, South Korea, and Sweden, and Vietnam. So Apple's saying, yeah, 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 we get it. The dollar's stronger. The euro is weaker because there's a trick with currency um, going on. We're not going to make less money in American dollars when we convert it back. Therefore, you're going to pay more euros so that when we convert it, we still make exactly what we thought we were going to make. It's like, whoa, 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 what? Now, Apple's not been very specific with how much they're going to raise. Apart from in Vietnam, which it attributed to new tax regulations, the hike comes as the U.S. dollar strengthened against other major global currencies in recent months. Most international companies in the United States who do business in dollars are facing the same thing Apple's facing. Probably about three months ago, Microsoft came out and said, we're struggling. Because the customers who are paying us in euros are kind of getting a discount to the stronger dollar. So Microsoft needs to raise prices if they want to be more like Apple and say, you know what, no matter what, we want to make the same amount of American dollars. This is something that I really, really don't re exactly think you're gonna. it's going to stick with you, currency investing. There's all types of risk. And one of the types of risk is like high growth valuation risk currency risk. There's political risk. What if the Democrats get in control and they say, we don't like big tech companies. Political risk is real. What if the Republicans uh, get in office and they go, you know, uh, 
we don't like big tech companies like Facebook. They don't let us say whatever we want. It's a real risk, is it not? And it seems like the big tech companies are in the eye of both the Republicans and the Democrats. So do you know the type of risk you have? Now, please note Apple, while they are raising the prices in euros in the app store, they chose to freeze the price of its iPhone 14 in the United States, but the company's new iPhone will cost more in the UK and in Europe. Oh, the the bottom line on the iPhone 14 is don't buy it unless you're buying the pro version. Buy the iPhone 13. If you're, it's the same exact specs, kind of almost to a T. You have to imagine they tightened the screws a little bit differently and maybe got a fresher coat of paint on it or something. But they say buy the iPhone 13, save some Doleros on the low end. And if you want to go high in the iPhone 14 Pro, it's going to just fantastic reviews for their camera. Um, it's a major, major camera upgrade. So if you want to shoot in 4K video and you want to edit, like say, like you get up. You're at a concert and you take the video and you're like, you feel so far away. Well, now you can zoom in and edit out the stuff that makes it look far away. And the camera is so good. It looks like you're on stage. Um, eh, sounds like I'm a hawk and Apple, doesn't it? I own shares of Apple. and sort of broker advisor for taking action on any stocks I ever mention on the show. It may have a conflict of interest with you. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. You're listening to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. Well, I got to be honest and tell you that as the NASDAQ holds support, we're seeing Bitcoin hold support. I'm going to say roughly 18,000 on Bitcoin. I'm not looking at the chart right now. I think it's a little bit higher, like 18,400. Um. I think it's worthy of note that we kind of acknowledge if you want to own Bitcoin, look for some similarities to the NASDAQ. As the NASDAQ goes down 4%, Bitcoin's going down 6%. I think it's a little bit more than that as far as the numbers go, but it is holding support. Now, Bitcoin has some ugly potential out there and digital currencies do due to federal regulators saying you know what we're going to change the rules right now you're a wild wild west and that's the rules you're living by but now we're going to start saying oh we're making sure we're getting tax taxes collected on this otherwise we'll ban it and as they implement those rules it could certainly have a greater exaggerated effect on bitcoin but i'm not risk needy so I don't need Bitcoin, but if I were to say not have enough for retirement and and want to cheat on a couple areas and maybe ruin my retirement, but also maybe get to retirement nicely, I would look at Bitcoin at right here. If you think the NASDAQ's going to hold, and the way I would do Bitcoin is I'd scale into it. What does scaling in mean? Scaling in means if you want to invest in your portfolio, you have a million dollar portfolio and you say, I'm going to put in five to 10%. Okay. Already cut it down to 5%. So out of your $50,000 out of your, that's 5% of your million, right? I'd, I'd maybe do 12,500 today. And if it goes higher, you're happy. If it goes lower, you buy more, you scale into it. Um, 
is that the right way to do things? It's a risky asset and it has not proven itself, but it has shown streaks of brilliance in the past. Unfortunately, most of you bought while it was streaking, not while it was retesting and showing whether or not it was going to be legit or not. Too legit, too legit to quit. Um, so I, I kind of want to acknowledge that. I don't dislike Bitcoin and I'm starting to make a case for it right here, right now. If it continues to act similar to the NASDAQ, we kind of have something to go off of. There's something called beta on stocks. It's how volatile it is compared to the rest of the stock market. That's we're starting to peg the beta per se, not exactly correct way of saying this to the volatility of the NASDAQ. And it's not supposed to be pegged to the NASDAQ is the problem. But I'm starting to see those similarities. Are you? Don't you hate people who ask you questions like, are you? Here's a man who I think is a stud. Stud of the week. 58-year-old man whose side hustle is renting out his pool. It made him $195,000 in two years. Now, we all know about the Airbnb jockeys. We all know people who have a little side business. I rented an apartment in Old Town, Alexandria, and it was an old town apartment. So my kids got to really feel what it was like to live in a small home in the 1800s. Um, The heat was way different. And again, of course, it's modernized with vents and stuff where they could, but like the air conditioning would only work on one level because they couldn't get the ducts all the way up. Um, and it was kind of fun. And the American dream is the side hustle, is it not? I think it kind of is. Renting out your amenity-packed backyard pool, he's rented it out to over 10,000 people. He cautions others against mimicking his side hustle, even though... He is Swipely's highest earner out of 25,000 pools in the United States, Canada, and Australia. He says, if people think they're going to build a pool and turn it into something that will earn 200000 in two years, it's a bit of a fantasy. I've put a ton of work into it, and you have to have the right mindset. You have to have the right circumstance and a competitive advantage no one else has. He says, and this is surprising to me, and that's why he's the stud of the week, renting out your pool as a side hustle is competitive. Okay. I wouldn't have thought that. He said demand is down even more than 50% over the last couple of months. Kids are back in school. They're at soccer practice. There's been a phenomenon, phenomenal growth rate on the host side. So people have more pools to choose from. He said despite decreasing demand, he continues to out-earn all other pool owners. He pulled in $117,000 last year. Looking at his pool, it's a pretty sweet pool, and it looks like the back. Uh, it's pretty serene. It's like near a barn. Swipely co-founder and CEO told CNBC that increased competition just means platforms growing, and that successfully run pools will always have swimmers. As with any marketplace, there are ups and downs for individual hosts. It's interesting to note that 
when I go out of town now, I tell my neighbors and friends, I'm like, if you want to come use our pool, use our pool. I like having people around the home because I know that it's going to create a little bit more security. Outside my home, I live in a lovely community. I saw I, my spouse saw a guy crawling under my truck, getting ready to steal my catalytic converter. Like you're like, ah. Can you imagine coming home and someone's swimming in your pool that you don't know? Okay. Rule number two from the study of the week is maintaining a pool is expensive. Um, he had three daughters and they enjoyed it during the summers. He says he's never shied away from keeping the pool as a luxury experience. He spent $110,000 on its construction, which includes a pool house and attached spa pool that he keeps at 130 degrees year round. I do think of it as an investment, he says. When we moved in, I know that would add value to the home. And this is more than doubled in price in the last few years. I've got a pool that I'm very aggro about the maintenance on it. And any staining in the concrete of the pool, I'm like, can you throw a little extra chlorine in and get that stain on there? Like, no problem. I didn't know two years ago that if you throw a little extra chlorine into a pool, you can get the stains out of the bottom of it. We've got really cool pool lighting. Like, I get what he's pulling off because I try to do something kind of similar, but not as luxurious as he does. He says he spends $41,000 on disinfecting and leveling the pool's chemistry since launching. So even though he's pulling in 200000 a big chunk of that is on chemicals. I can't even imagine $40,000 in chemicals. That's crazy to me. At a time where chemical costs are rising due to troubles getting pool supplies, due to supply chain problems, Due to just overall inflation, right? But he keeps the pool in tip-top shape. It's what customers keep returning for, which is particularly important because he estimates that roughly 35% of his swimmers are returning guests. Who would have ever thought we could live in a world where a dude's able to make $200,000 renting out his backyard pool? It is a pretty cool backyard, though. And the third thing he wants to remember is first and foremost is there's it's competitive. It's not as easy as you think it's going to be. Second, that it's expensive. And third, that it's time consuming. This is a good business lesson, in my opinion. I think he's got it right on. He and his wife enjoy vacation and luxury resorts. They want their pool to mimic a five-star experience. Along with its nearby amenities, he keeps the pool toys and towels, plus heated blankets in the winter within arm's reach. He also tries to check in with every group of swimmers to ensure a positive experience. He and his wife can get 26 bookings per week at the height of the summer. Okay, now wait, 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 wait. Let's do that math on that. Seven days a week. Are we going like nine to one, one to five? I don't know how he's pulling that off. I guess he's pulling off three a day and maybe four a day on weekends. Whoa, this guy is hustling. Now you see why the side hustle is the hustle. Can't knock the hustle. You can't knock the hustle. It's it's the American way, in my opinion. I didn't get successful at what I did from being smart. I did it from being smart and out hustling you and getting up earlier than you on a regular basis, staying up later than you on a regular basis.
not watching TV shows on a regular basis. It was my side hustle of I wanted to succeed. So he joined a, a service called Swimply. And Swimply is got the word swim in it and then throw in. He said the money's been great. I felt happy that so many families have been able to get out and exercise and enjoy his pool during the pandemic. I would still recommend it to people who are up for a challenge and know what they're getting into. My pool guy came by last Friday, and as I was working on this story, I was like, how much is my pool worth? And he said, oh, it's $300,000 easy. I'm like, what? Wait, 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 what? This this cement pit is three hundred. And it's like, wow. Who knew? The things that we learn and get inspired by other people really give us some focus on what we're worth and not worth, in my opinion. Be inspired by people. 195000 in two years renting a pool? Whoa. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 